All right, fam. It is Phoenix Kalita in the wine cellar. We're doing some international news. I know it's been a while. Did y'all miss me? I missed y'all. <laughs> um, yeah, things are just kind of hectic. I got sick this week. I don't know if you can hear it, like uh, in my voice with my my nasals. Um, but yeah, so I've been sick. William is still doing the twelve hours. We just don't have time. Plus, I'm caught up with swap or uh, catching up with swap stuff. Um, I think I'm speaking at a in an event in Texas in January. Apparently, this is just what I do now. I go fly out to places and talk about stuff. So, yeah, who saw it coming? I know, William did. Not I, though. But anyways, I did want to catch all up on some just real quick international news. I'm going to keep it short. Um, I don't know if this is going up separate or as part of a, uh, a different uh, or, a, you know, like a longer form show. I don't know yet, but I just do know that I'm behind on recording, so here I am. I have like 15 minutes. Let's go. All right. Welcome to the Wine Cellar International News. Woohoo. So, starting off in Australia, Australia, I think is what they say, uh, the coroner's sense of futility. Oh, yeah. Also, all the, I know, I already said coroner, so you know it involves death, but it's the fucking Wine Cellar, all the trigger warnings. We know how it goes, folks. We know. Um... So the coroner's sense of futility was clear as he investigated the death of yet another Australian killed by prescription opioids. I know people thought it was Australian. They're going to be like a snake, a venomous spider, a kangaroo. No, opioids. Turns out everybody's having an opioid crisis, not just Appalachia. Um, coroners nationwide have long urged officials to address Australia's ballooning opioid addiction and to create a tracking system to stop people from collecting multiple prescriptions from multiple doctors. Yet even, th even though thousands have died, the coroner's pleas were met largely with silence. A Western Australia coroner Barry King wrote in his report in May, For what it's worth, I add my voice to the chorus pleading for urgency. Half a world away, Australia has failed to heed the lessons of the United States, and is now facing skyrocketing rates of op opioid prescriptions re and related deaths. I really do wonder about that because that's, you know, the op uh, opioid, I can say it, um, crisis is uh, largely framed as being what? A white people problem, right? So I often wonder if there's just like that inherent racism where you're just so stuck in like the white supremacy idea that white people inherently have like more self-control or are just more moral or just better people so that that opioids won't be um as much of a crisis for them so it doesn't have to be taken seriously until there's too much of a body count to not take it seriously i wonder i really do wonder if there's like an underlying um you know thought about that where it's just like but you know because a lot of people still think addiction isn't an immoral thing like you're just lazy or you lack willpower or you're a bad person you know those type of things and like, oh, but white people aren't those things. That's for, like, black people and brown people. And, yeah, I really wonder if that has to do with, um, you know, why it took so long for there to be a response. I mean, although, I don't know. I guess in America, it's also partly a class thing. I'm not sure if the class thing is as much, uh, is quite as prevalent in Australia when it comes to opioid addiction. Don't know. I'm sure someone can tell me. I know a couple people from Australia listen to the podcast, so let me know. Mm-hmm. All right. I lost my place. That's good. That's fun. Uh, do, 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 do. Oh. So drug companies facing scrutiny for their aggressive marketing of opioids in America have turned their focus abroad, working around marketing regulations to push painkillers in other countries. Capitalism is amazing. The market does provide. As with the U.S., Australia's government has been slow to respond to years of warnings from health experts. 
In dozens of interviews, doctors, researchers, and Australians whose lives have been upended by opioids described a plight that now stretches from coast to coast. Australia's death rate from opioids has more than doubled in just over a decade. And health experts worry that without urgent action, Australia is on track for an even steeper spike in deaths like those seen in America where the epidemic has left 400,000 dead. Holy shit, 400,000 people. All right. If only Australia could understand how quickly this can get out of hand, we're not immune, says Jasmine Ragham, whose brother John died in 2014 of an opioid overdose and whose brother-in-law is now uh, addicted to Oxycontin. What do they call that? Uh, hillbilly heroin, right? Hmm. I was screaming from the mountaintops after John died and I started doing my research and it's like I'm screaming but nobody wants to hear me. Off uh, an island on the coast of Tasmania, uh, Dr. Bastian Seidel and his colleagues are immersed in what he calls a nightmarish scenario. Two years ago when he was president of the Royal Australian College of General Practitioners, Seidel dubbed Australia's opioid problem a national emergency, but today he wonders if anyone is still listening. It's depressing at times. <coughs> oh, excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry, I didn't mean to cough into the microphone, y'all. Uh, this is a quote from Seidel. It's depressing at times to see how we as practitioners literally messed up our communities. It's our signature on the scripts, but the pressure being put on uh, by the drug companies and by certain health sectors, that's the situation we're facing right now. Australia knows the extent of the problem, he says. The country knows addiction is devastating communities, but nobody's doing anything. Unfortunately, in Australia, we followed the bad example of the U.S., and now we have the same problem. Huh. Maybe you shouldn't listen to the U.S. <laughs> we don't have good ideas here. Um, opioids were once opioids. I don't know why I cannot say the word fucking opioid. I don't know. They were once reserved for treating pain that was short-term, terminal, or related to cancer. But in the 1990s, pharmaceutical companies began aggressively marketing them for chronic pain. Starting in 2000, Australia began uh, approving and subsidizing certain opioids for chronic non-cancer pain. Those approvals coincided with a spike in opioid consumption, which nearly quadrupled between 1990 and 2014. Huh. Um, you know, I mean, I know people with chronic pain use opioids, and I'm not actually opposed. I think that's a good thing. But, you know, no, earlier in the article, they said that they don't have a tracking system, so someone can go to multiple doctors and abuse that so it seems like instead of blaming opioids on being used for chronic pain maybe they just need a better better regulation system i don't know uh dr jennifer stevens a pain specialist saw the surge with startling clarity while working at st vincent's hospital in sydney a few years ago a pharmacist at the hospital at the hospital told her they needed to hire an extra person just to handle all the prescriptions they were handing out for endone a brand of oxycodone Stevens discovered that the hospital's endone prescriptions had increased 500% in eight years, with no decrease in other opioids dispensed. Further study revealed that 10% of patients were taking opioids three months after surgery, even though the drugs are generally only recommended for short-term use. Hmm. We were just pumping this stuff out into local communities, uh, thinking that there were no consequences, said Stevens, who is now a vocal advocate for changing opioid practice, uh, prescribing practices. And of course, now we realize it does have huge consequences. Just like in the U.S., as opioid, op I can't say it. As prescriptions rose, so did fatal overdoses. Related deaths jumped from 439 to 2006 to 1,119 in 2016, a rise of 2.2 to 4.7 deaths per 100,000 people, according to the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare. Most deaths were related to prescriptions rather than illegal opioids such as heroin. I wonder what 
that's what those stats look like now in the last like two, three years. Hmm. More than three million Australians, an eighth of the country's population, are getting at least one opioid prescription a year, according to the latest data. An eighth of the population. Okay. Wow. Um, Australia's government insists it's now taking the problem seriously. The opioid codeine, which used to be available over the counter, was restricted to prescription only in 2018. I wish I could get codeine over the counter. That would be amazing for my pain. Um, I can't speak for the past, says Greg Hunt, who became federal health minister in 2017. I can only speak from my watch and my time. And this has been one of my absolute priorities, which is why we've taken such strong steps. My focus has been to make sure we don't have an American-style crisis. All right. So, yeah, that's that's really wild. Um, but, you know, capitalism, you have to make a profit no matter what. And, I mean, it's not like everybody's going to die. So you can afford to kill some of your customer base. See, the same, they did that same shit with insulin. It's fucking evil. All right. So that, my friends, is what is happening in Australia. Aussie land, as it were. And... Sorry, I had to pause for a sneeze there because I'm never healthy. (laughs) I've just come to the conclusion that I'm never going to be healthy again, and it just is what it is. Like, ever. Okay. (coughs) All right. Sorry. Uh, Also, this actually is not getting a lot of news, which is surprising because the Hong Kong protests were getting, like, all the news, right? About protesters, like, fucking up, like, facial cams and you know, tussling with police and doing all kinds of stuff, right? So this yesterday uh, came out, and I haven't really seen it trending, which is odd because you think that it would. Uh, Hong Kong has withdrawn the extradition bill that sparked the protests in the first place. Hong Kong leader Carrie Lam withdrew the extradition bill that sparked months of demonstrations, bowing to one of the protesters' demands in hopes of ending the increasingly violent unrest. But activists rejected Wednesday's move as insufficient and vowed not to yield until the government accepts other demands, including an independent investigation into alleged police brutality against protesters and unconditional release of those detained and democracy. The bill would have allowed Hong Kong residents to be sent to mainland China for trials. It prompted massive protests since June that have disrupted transportation links around the city and at its international airport. Lamb said the government would not accept any other demands and instead named two new members to a police watchdog agency investigating police misconduct. Again, it's a global fuck 12. The government will formally withdraw the bill in order to fully allay uh, public concerns, she said in a recorded television message. Lamb said the persistent violence is damaging the rule of law and challenges to one country, two systems framework under which former the former British colony returned to Chinese control in 1997 and put Hong Kong in a, quote, highly vulnerable and dangerous situation. Our foremost priority now is to end violence, safeguard the rule of law, and restore the order and safety in society. She added, vowing to, quote, strictly enforce the law against all violent and illegal acts. Does that mean against the protesters? Because that's the feeling that that sentence gives me. Uh, Lamb said it was clear that public frustration has gone far beyond the bill and her government will seek a dialogue with aggrieved groups to address their discontent. She said she will also invite community leaders, professionals and academics to examine and advise the government on how to resolve deep seated problems in society. She said, quote, let's 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 replace conflicts with conversations and look for solutions. That is so fucking generic. Uh, Some lawmakers and activists say the move was too little too late. 
a youth activist who only identified herself as Chan and wore a helmet and scarf to shield her identity, told a news conference that protesters would not back down, not even one step, until other demands are met. If Carrie Lam had withdrawn the bill two months ago, that would have been a quick fix, but to apply it as a bandage onto rotten flesh won't cut it, she said. Prominent youth activist Joshua Wong said the government in Beijing hopes to cool the protests ahead of China's National Day on October 1st. He said, I hope the people in China can understand that democracy, freedom, and human rights are universal values that Hong Kong people are fighting for. He told journalists before a forum in Taipei, Taiwan, where he's visiting. He said, quote, we will continue to fight for it. I hope there's one day that Hong Kong and even China can become a place where people can enjoy democracy and freedom. Pro-democracy lawmaker Claudia Mo mocked Lam's bid to seek dialogue and address public grievances. Uh, Mo said, quote, she's been asleep the last three months. This is just absurd. The scars and wounds are still bleeding, and she thinks she can just use some garden hose to put out the fire. Well, I mean, yeah. Pro-establishment law, oh, pro-establishment lawmaker Starry Lee, however, urged protesters to accept the government's olive, olive branch so the city can move forward. What, here, we're giving you, like, a tiny bit of what you asked for. Take it and be grateful, you fucking peasants. Is that what uh, Lee is saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hong Kong stock market soared 4%, boosted by reports of the bill's withdrawal. Lam, who was elected as the city's chief executive by a pro-Beijing committee of Hong Kong elites, elites, mm-hmm, has come under withering criticism for pushing the extradition bill. Many in Hong Kong see it as an example of the city's eroding autonomy since the former British colony returned to Chinese control. Clashes between police and protesters have become increasingly violent, with demonstrators throwing gasoline bombs and rods at officers at protests last weekend. Yeah, fuck 12. Authorities in turn have employed water, uh, water cannons, tear gas, rubber bullets, and batons. The mostly young pro protesters say a degree of violence is necessary to get the government's attention after peaceful rallies were futile. And what did MLK say? Right? Uh, what is it? A riot is the language of the unheard? Y'all niggas should have been listening. Um, Chinese officials warn that Beijing will not sit idly by if the situation worsens. That'll be great. It's going to be fucking Tiananmen Square all over again. The prolonged protests have hurt Hong Kong's economy amid a slowdown in the Chinese economy during its trade war with the United States. Hong Kong foreign companies have also been under intense pressure to support China's ruling Communist Party against pro, uh, protesters. Hong Kong's Chathay Pacific Airways said its chairman, John Slosar, resigned Wednesday, less than a month after its CEO, Rupert Hogg, stepped down following pressure by Beijing over participation uh, by some of the carrier's employees in protests. I mean, you know, I think it's important to acknowledge that the protesters have gotten a little bit of what they asked for. Obviously not enough. And obviously they're not happy, but I, does, I do think this shows the power of protest that they even got that bill removed. I wish we could do that in the United States. Uh, I think it would be a bloodbath, though. I think our cops would just start fucking shooting us on sight. <laughs> and nobody wants to be the first one to die. But, yeah, I wish Americans would um, follow suit, you know. We could get some shit done. But, all right. That is it. I said this was going to be short. I'm already at 15 motherfucking minutes. Let me get the fuck up out of here because I have things to do. So thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you for getting a little dose of international news. I have not forgotten about what is happening uh, in Kashmir. I just still have not had time to like sit down and like research that shit to like present it accurately accurately so i'm on it it's uh one of my goals hopefully over the weekend i have not forgotten anyways 
Uh, thank you for checking out the wine cellar. If you like what we do, you can hit us up at paypal.me slash Phoenix and William or patreon.com slash wine cellar media fund. I promise overtime is going to be ending soon. Uh, next week, I think William is doing no overtime so we can get back to podcasting together because it's way funnier when he's here to say goofy shit. So I'm super excited and hopefully y'all will check us out uh, next week. All right. Stay safe, y'all. Bye.